the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Uh, Joshua chapter 6. We're looking at uh, a great story, a very familiar story uh, to many of you about Joshua and his great uh, battle of, of Jericho and, uh, and how the walls uh, come tumbling down. And so we'll look at some of that um, Joshua chapter 6. And so I challenge you, if you have your copy of Scripture, to leave it open to Joshua chapter 6 because we're going to be looking at a few different verses in a, in a few moments' time. We'll begin with verses 1 to 5. We'll read those in a few moments. And then later on we'll read uh, verses 15 to 16 and then later on um, a bit more in the chapter. And so you'll want to, uh, to have your copy of Scripture uh, available there and, and ready to go. Once again, I want to challenge you to, uh, to bring your Bibles with you every uh, Sunday uh, so that you're, you're reading along in your copy of Scripture, whether that's a, a paper copy or a, um, you know, whether that's online or on your, your, your tablet or your phone or whatever that might be. Uh, we, um, we pray that you, uh, you bring that each week. We ask that you bring that each week. It's so important that you have a Bible and that you read it every day. It's important that you read along even with, uh, with what we are talking about so that you can see the context, you can see, you can do further studies that God can inspire you uh, through His Word, and we challenge you uh, to do that. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, let us know and we'll, uh, we'll get you one because it's so important that everybody has that. Now, I have a question for you. Now, you don't have to raise your hand and answer this. It's something for you to think about. But has God ever asked you, or sorry, have you ever felt like God is calling you to do something that is, well, impossible? Have you ever felt like God is, what he, whatever it is He's challenging you to trust Him with, it just seems like there's absolutely no way that could work out? Has He asked you to trust Him with something that when, when the dreams you feel He's calling you to and the reality that you're feeling at the moment just don't seem to line up? Have you ever felt that? I think many of us have at different times. I know I, I, I'm reminded this week as I was doing the study for, for this passage about... Uh, a beautiful couple in the church I was growing up in uh, named Ed and, and Heather Bailey. Now, Ed was one of those guys who, uh, it's a small town, small community, about 4,000 people or so, and everybody knows everybody, uh, probably more than they should. You know, everybody uh, knows everybody's story and who they married and who they dated before they married and all those kind of things and how everybody's related and all that kind of stuff. Everybody knows everybody, but Ed is one of those people that everybody knew. Like, he was just, everybody knew Ed Bailey. He he ran the local uh, country store where everybody went for their supplies for more than 50 years. Now, he didn't run it for more than 50 years, but it was in his family for more than 50 years. And uh, Ed was uh, one of those kind of pillars of the community where everybody loved, everybody knew Ed, and everybody loved Ed. And likewise, everybody knew his wife, Heather, and everybody loved them. And, and the only difference, or probably the main difference between Ed and Heather was... Heather was a Christian, and she absolutely loved the Lord. Like, she couldn't wait to get to church. She couldn't wait to help other people and tell them about God's love. Ed wanted nothing to do with the church. He wanted nothing to do with Jesus. He wanted nothing to do with, with her God. And, and he would tell her that that Jesus stuff is just rubbish. Now, he didn't want to stand in her way when they married. Over 40 years uh, before I knew them, when they had married... They made a commitment that they were, they were going to stick with each other for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. They committed for a lifelong relationship, but she knew that he wasn't a Christian. And yet, Heather would tell you, and Heather told me many times, that she felt, even before she married Ed, 
Now, it's okay because God's going to save him. God's going to save him. He's going to become a Christian. And she prayed every single day for him before they married and every single day in that marriage. For 40 years, he would drop her off every Sunday at church. But he would drop her off with a fishing boat tied to the back of his, his ute. And he would go off to the lake while, uh, while she was at church. And then a friend would drop her back off at home. And he would spend the morning on his boat. In fact, Ed took it so far as to not only just drop her off while he was going on to what he thought was better things, he would sometimes mockingly, uh, he, he would mock and, and joke about how she was spending all her time uh, in prayer and in the church. And people, was, people used to ask him what he was doing on Sunday. And so he named his boat, his fishing boat, in prayer. And so he would say he spent every Sunday morning in prayer. Uh, so he would sit in his fishing boat, and it literally said on it, in prayer. And people would ask, oh, and he said, well, that's to get my wife off my back. And said, well, how did you spend the same one? He said, well, I spent it in prayer as well. So he would mock that, that faith, and yet he, he supported her in that. He knew how important it was to her, uh, but he said, not, not to me. One day, he dropped her off one Sunday morning to uh, the same church, had in prayer, uh, in tow, uh, and, uh, and took it out to the lake. And um, in the middle of church, Heather felt she needs to stop and pray for him. And she said, she walked up to the pastor in the middle of his message, I remember it as a child, and she said, I don't know what's happening, but she said, we need to stop and we need to pray for Ed. And the whole church stopped and prayed for Ed. And for whatever reason, in the middle of that boat out on the lake in his favorite fishing spot, Ed met Jesus. And in the same spot where he had denied Christ for years and years and years, and he tried to get away, God found him. And he gave his life to Christ out on, in prayer on that fishing boat. And he showed up to pick her up from church. And she ran out and said, you know, what, what has happened? I, I don't know what's going on, but we thought we need to be praying for you. And uh, he was just smiling from ear to ear, and he said, you've won. He said, you prayed for it for years, and he said, you've won. He said, I gave my heart to, to Jesus. And in the 10 years uh, that followed that, um, before I came to Australia, um, I, I knew... Ed is a good friend. He became a deacon in the church. And he personally, because of the fact that everybody knew him and everybody trusted him, um, Ed had led over 100 people to Jesus um, just on his own. And he's still, he's still going strong. He's in his early 90s. And he's still talking about Jesus. And in the heart of it all, I want to say, in the heart of it all and through the years and years and years of struggle, Heather saw the challenge, but her faith was in God. Her eyes weren't on the challenge. Her eyes were on her great God. Now, Israel in the time of Joshua would have been feeling much the same thing. There's so many doubts. There's so many questions around what God is doing. For example, let me read for you in uh, Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Joshua 6, 1 to 5. Joshua 6, 1 to 5. It says this. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, 
See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. So march around the city once with all of the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times when the priest blow, with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, then have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. This mighty army of Jericho, as Jericho archaeologists know Jericho is, uh, is, is the oldest known city in the world, uh, dating back to 8,500 years or so before Christ. And it was known as a fortified city, a city with strong military, a city with strong walls, an impenetrable city. And God leads... I, it's, it's, you, you always say, well, God has a sense of humor, I guess. Well, God leads this nation of, of Israel up to the walls of Jericho. And Joshua looks out and sees these mighty walls. They've closed the gates because of fear of the Israelites. And they've locked the city in. And no one comes in or out. And he's locked up the gates and he sees this mighty wall. And God says, look at that wall. See, I've delivered the city to you. Now, I can understand if the gates were wide open... And maybe that someone forgot to, uh, to lock the, the door or whatever. You could just go, okay, yeah, see, I've delivered the city to you. Look, someone's left the doors wide open. No, the, the doors are closed. It says it clearly in Scripture. The doors are closed. The walls are high. The army is ready to battle against you. And God says, see, I've delivered it. The city's yours. Go in and, and just follow my lead, and the city is going to be yours. The walls are going to come crumbling down. All you have to do is trust me. Walk along in silence. Every day, walk around uh, the whole city, the whole wall, one time, then go back home. And so he did this. He got the whole army, and they, they got the, the priests and, and the armed guards to walk before uh, the Ark of the Covenant. The, the, uh, the trumpets blew, the priests blew the, the trumpets. So the people walked in silence around the, the city wall. And then they went back home. They didn't fight. They didn't try to strategize the best military way to do this. They followed God's command. Joshua led them in the way of the Lord. They went back home to their encampment. They did this every day for the six days. Now, I think it's interesting because, like I said, when I'm sure all the people saw were walls. If you're walking outside those walls, all you see is that reminder every day as you're walking along, this huge wall is here. Every day as you're walking along, all you see is that wall. And God says, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands with its king and its fighting men. And you go, what are you talking about, God? All I see is this wall. And many of you have been in that same place where you go, God, all I see is this wall. All I see is the heartache. All I see is, is divorce coming. All I see is hurt and pain and loss. How can I trust in this great dream that you're going to give to me? How can I trust that it's all going to work out when all I see is the hopelessness? All I see is despair. All I see is the wall. Look in verses 15 and 16. As Joshua 
leads his people in, in the way of the Lord. It says, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on this day, they circled the entire city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now, that may sound like a, a simple statement from this warrior leader, Joshua. But man, it's a mighty statement of faith. Because all they've done is walk around the wall. They blew the trumpets. They shout. And he says, shout out. Because God has given us a city. Now, you see, Joshua's confidence wasn't in the, their, their strategy. It wasn't really in, in what they were doing to, to bring down the walls or to conquer the city. Joshua's confidence was in the Lord because he knows that this God that they serve, the God that we serve, is a miracle-working God. Now, you may not believe in miracles, but you see, in, all throughout Israel's history, God is performing miracle after miracle after miracle. If the people trusted Him, <coughs> as they fu sorry, fully relied on Him, He worked miracles in their life. This is a God who, um, who freed them from the hand of, of Pharaoh after over 400 years of captivity. This is a God who parted the Red Sea so that the, the people of Israel could walk through on dry land and then close back the sea to drown the Egyptian army who was trying to pursue them. This is a God who provided bread, manna from heaven, day after day after day for 40 years, providing them enough sustenance to live out in the desert. He provided water from a rock. God is a miracle-working God. This is the same God who later gives us Jesus to pay the price for our sins so we can have life instead of what we deserve. This is a God who brings sight to the blind, who brings strong legs to the lame. He heals. He restores relationships. He brings down harsh rulers and He raises up ones who will be righteous. This is a God who doesn't give us what we deserve for our sins, but He offers us never-ending life in a place with no more tears and no more suffering, no more pain, no more death. In His loving presence forever. This is a miracle-working God that we serve. He's proven it over and over and over again. So the problem may not be on God's end, and the problem is often on yours and mine. You see, God moves and He protects and He heals and He restores over and over and over again throughout the Bible, as the people trusted Him, and they put their faith in Him. Now, this is not a message which is going to say, all we have to do is just trust Jesus, and, and all your problems will go away. Life will just be a bed of roses for you, and your bank account will triple. You'll all of a sudden have the house of your dreams or that new car, because that's rubbish. And they're, they're, you're not going to find that in the Scripture. We want to stick with what God's Word uh, says and, and be faithful to that. That sort of uh, teaching uh, is it, just rubbish. But we do want to say, we do want to say that He can do so much more for us. He, he does come through if we let Him, if we trust Him. We tend to trust God or say we trust Him and turn to Him when we're at times of trouble when we're in those times of struggle, when we are out of options and, and our, uh, our family don't know what to do. 
when your, your mama doesn't have the answer anymore, your best friend doesn't have the answer, when, when your mate's advice isn't working out, we tend to turn to God. When it seems like the bank account is empty and there's nothing else we can do, we tend to turn to God. When it seems like the marriage is at the end, we tend to turn to God. We need to learn that God is not just a God in those difficult times. Yes, He can pick us back up when we're on our, our, our last leg. Yes, He can save us when we're at the end of our rope. He is a, a saving God. He is a miracle-working God. But He can also help us to not go down those difficult paths. He can lead us every single step of the way. And He heals and restores as we learn to trust Him. You see, the people of Israel were seeing a wall. And yet, Joshua... Joshua here wasn't looking at the army. He wasn't looking at what he needed to defeat. They knew of this great nation throughout history. He knew all of them. But Joshua, he knew God. And he knew that if God was leading them, nothing, nothing could stop them. This mighty wall that no army could penetrate would be nothing for their God. God had made a covenant, see, with Abraham and, and later confirmed with, with Moses and with David. Some of Israel's greatest history throughout, uh, leaders throughout their history who had trusted God in times uh, of immense struggle and had seen God do unexplainable miracles. This sort of covenant said that God would be their God and they will be His people. He'll stick by them. And as long as they trust Him, He will see them through no matter what. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 reminds us that when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And the Ark of the Covenant that they carried around with them, we find there in verse 8, he says, lead with this Ark of the Covenant. Have your guards protected, because the Ark represented God's presence with them. And they knew that if God was by their side, if God was leading them and God was with them, then there's nothing that could stand in their way. And so Joshua trusted, not in their strategies, not in their ways, but he trusted in God. Not because he understood the strange way that God works, because none of us do but because he trusted God. And God says, just walk around in silence day after day and trust in God's ways. Well, what happened? Look with me in verse 20. It says this. This is on the seventh day. It says, When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet and when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Day seven, they walk around the wall seven times, again in silence, and then on that seventh time when the, the trumpets sounded out, this long blast, the people all shouted, and Joshua said, shout out because the Lord has given us this city. And then when the trumpets sound and the, the people shout, the walls come tumbling down, and the king and the army and the city and the nation were given to the people of God. Now, no military strategist ever saw that happening with God's method. They never saw that wall coming down. Just walk around and it's going to fall. The king of Jericho and, and the mighty army that he had didn't see that coming. In fact, you can almost imagine them over the wall just having a go and having a laugh at the people of Israel. I can see early in the morning go, here come those crazy Israelites again. They're coming up with their trumpets, carrying around that ark. And they're walking around the wall like that's going to do anything against our mighty army. But God had a plan. And the people 
of God, trusted him, and God came through as he always does. As a church of God, God has asked, he asked us to trust him. Now we're just a small church with, with limited resources, but God always provides as he calls us to trust him to do the miracles in our community, in our church family, in our country, in our world. Because we're aware of the limitations. We're aware, we're aware of restrictions that our bank accounts say or that our number of volunteers or whatever may say. But we're also aware of who God is that we serve and nothing stands in His way. In your marriage, are you trusting in a miracle-working God? With your family, are you trusting in a God who works miracles? Nothing is too far gone for our God. With God, all things are possible. With your employment, are you trusting in a miracle-working God? Are you going to follow Him and see Him work miracles in your life? The walls will not stop you. The armies cannot stand in your way. Nothing is impossible with our God. I want to challenge you. Whatever your situation is in your life, however God is dealing with you, I just feel God is, is saying to some people this morning, trust me, trust me. I am a miracle-working God. I'm much bigger than you give any credit for, and I've got you. Hold on to me and trust me. Wherever you are, whatever situation is in your life, I just ask that you just trust God this morning. Whether you're in times of joy or times of struggle, whether you're in times of heartache or times of blessing, trust God today. He is here and He is mighty. He is victorious. He is mighty to save. He is a God who works miracles. And He'll do it for you as you simply trust in Him. Let's just pray. Dear God, I just thank You and I praise You for who You are. A miracle-working God in which we can trust, not only when we see everything working out, when we see everything laid out before us, but You're a God uh, in the questionable times. You're a God when we don't understand what's going on. You're a God when we hate the news that we've got. You're a God who is God no matter what. And we can trust no matter what. You're a God who is stronger than anything anyone could understand. You're a God who works miracles in our health in ways that people could never understand. The doctors, it baffles them. The scientists, it baffles them. You're a God who can do the impossible in our relationships. You're a God that when the psychologists and the psychiatrists say there's no help, help for our health, you are a God who works miracles. You're a God when the counselors and the psychologists say this marriage or this family is too far gone. You are a God who works miracles. You're a God when people have turned you away over and over and over again. You keep pursuing us with your love and your mercy and grace. You're a God who works miracles. Help us, Lord, as your church to claim victory and to trust in you, our great God, and to say, wow, look, God has given us this. Let's trust Him together as a church. In Jesus' name we pray.